you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter number 40. Uh, I know many of you are probably ready to get out of this little area because as I went back and looked, it's been months and I know we've got out and did other things and all of that, that we've been in this life of Joseph. The problem that uh, I seem to run into is the more I study, it seems as if there's no bottom <laughs> to this story. Uh, that just lesson after lesson after lesson jumps out at me uh, from this story of the life of Joseph. And uh, of course, you know, we've been in Genesis and uh, it can be divided into those four great events, uh, creation, the fall, the flood and the tower of Babel. Uh, then there's a change takes place as God begins to reveal himself and call a people to himself. And we look at the lives of four great men, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And we've been in uh, on or studying the life of Joseph uh, for some time now. And there's just so much that we can learn. Uh, Y'all need to smile. I had somebody ask me the, if uh, I was sad now that my kids uh, have all left and gone home and gone back to school. And my answer to them was, no. I'm glad to see them come. But I'm glad when they go back home. They'll come again, praise the Lord. Uh, in Matthew chapter number 10, verse 28, Jesus said something like this. You can turn there and kind of follow along, Matthew 10, 28. He said, don't fear the one who can destroy the body, but rather fear the one who can destroy both body and soul. Thinking about the book of Genesis, I talked about this on Wednesday night that it's no accident that it uses the picture of a serpent that deceived Adam and Eve. Um, it's a true analogy uh, in a sense and Adam and Eve understood that there was a snake on the outside that was trying to get in and there was a danger. But then we move on over to the story of Cain and Abel, the Tower of Babel and the, the, the narrative of the book of Genesis. We see that there's a snake in other people that's trying to get me as well. But then I believe as we move on into these people in Genesis, these great men, one of the greatest truths that we see is there's a snake on the inside of each of us and that is probably the greatest and most dangerous snake of all. Uh, Adam and Eve were naive. Uh, naivety is a bad thing. It allows us to be hurt uh, from people on the outside. And when we're naive, we look and we see or picture that only the best can possibly happen without taking into account the worst that possibly could happen. And when we look at the world in a naive way and people do things to us and tragedy strikes, it breaks us. 
And then that naivety turns to cynicism where we look at other people and we withdraw within ourselves, And then we allow that snake that's within us to become more and more dangerous as a protection against that from the outside. Uh, the solution to that naivety that turns to cynicism is to realize that yes, there's people that will hurt you. But because we place our faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, even though we know and we understand that there's things out there that are dangerous, uh, we still reach forth a hand of trust and love and say, I know people around me can do things to hurt me, but I'm still going to work towards your benefit, the benefit of the community and the benefit of the world. There was a man named Richard Phillips who was convicted of first degree premeditated murder in 1972. He actually was served, uh, sentenced to serve two concurrent life sentences uh, without the possibility of parole. All of it was based on the testimony of uh, the victim's brother-in-law. Uh, his name was Fred Mitchell. During a parole board hearing in 2010, the co-defendant in that case admitted that it was actually he and Mitchell the brother-in-law that killed the man. He didn't even know Richard Phillips at the time. He was granted a new trial. His conviction was thrown out in August 2017. He was released from uh, prison. Uh, the entire case was built on false testimony. This man was 26 years old when he was sentenced to life in prison and 71 years old when he was declared innocent and release 45 years in prison you'd stop and think about that and you'd say he's probably a bitter man but if you thought that you'd be wrong when he was interviewed he was asked about that and he said he never gave up hope that he'd have his freedom again and here's what he said I have faith in God I expected this to happen I knew I would be released. I just didn't know when. The common tendency when someone mistreats us, when we're, an injustice comes upon us, is to seek revenge or to try to get back at that person. But I want to read you Genesis chapter number 40. One verse. When I read this verse, it was just like a light bulb went off in my head thinking about this concept of how to deal with injustice, how to deal with mistreatment, how to deal when a friend, a loved one, or someone you know does something against you. Chapter number 40, verse number 23. Listen to what the Bible says. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. We know and are well aware of all the wrongs that had already been done to poor old Joseph, right? I mean, he had the dream. His brothers turned against him. They threw him in the ditch. Next thing you know, he's being sold into slavery. Then he's down there. He's working in Potiphar's house. His wife accuses him of trying to sexually assault her. And 
after that, he finds himself in prison. All of this has happened to him unjustly, happened on false testimony, happened on those things that people have done to him. And then here in verse uh, number 23 of chapter number 40, Joseph does something good for the butler. He interprets a dream, lets him know that everything's going to be okay. The butler gets out of prison and immediately forgets Joseph and turns his back on the one that had helped him. If anybody had ever been mistreated, it was Joseph. This is actually the third account, actually the fourth account of Joseph being done wrong and injustice happening to, to Joseph, all done by those people that he was familiar with, those around him. And I doubt today that there's, well, there's probably not many here this morning that hadn't in your lifetime had someone do something that was an injustice that you were mistreated in some way. Um, I go ahead and tell you one of the disappointing things of ministry, and it's part of the, the calling. You know you're going to have to do it is uh, people that you spend time with and try to help and, and literally pour your life and your heart into, and one little thing happened and suddenly you're the worst thing ever happened in the history of the world. And it hurts when that happens, and you know what that's like every one of us does. So how do we deal with it? Well, not like this lady. Um, one day she was walking on the beach, and y'all still need to smile. It's too quiet in here. Uh, and she found a little bottle, and she picked it up, you know, and she began to rub the little bottle. Well, you know what happens when you rub the little bottle? The genie pops out. The genie pops out. And he said, thank you for releasing me from my bottle. I'm going to give you three wishes, anything you want today. And he said, the only thing I've got to tell you, there's a prerequisite. Everything you wish for yourself, your husband's going to get double. And she said, my husband, why is that? That scoundrel left me for another woman. He's been mean to me all of these, all the years I was with him. And, and you telling me that everything I wish for, he's going to get double? And the genie said, that's right. That's just the way things have always been. And it's the way they are. And it's the way they'll always be. She said, all right, number one, I wish for a million dollars. Poof. She had a million dollars right in front of her. Next thing you know, she said, you know what? I'd like to have the biggest diamond in the world. Poof. I mean, she has this big old diamond sitting right in front of her. So then she gets to thinking and she asked the genius, she said, now does that mean my husband right now, wherever, wherever he is, does that mean he's got $2 million right now? The genius said, oh, yes, it does. You give me the biggest diamond in the world, does that mean that my husband has two of the biggest diamonds in the world and he's got more than me? The genie said, oh, yes, it does. Are you ready for your third wish? Well, she thought for a second. She said, now I am. Here's what I want you to do. Scare me half to death. <laughs> hey, we can laugh in the house of God. How do we deal with mistreatment? Not that way. I think we'd be better off if we deal with it like Joseph did. There's three things I want to share with you this morning about how Joseph dealt with the injustice that was thrown upon him. Number one, Joseph did not have bitterness on the inside. Now, when we read each of these accounts of Joseph's mistreatment, I'm not going to ask you to go back, back there and read those. We've read through chapter 39 or 37 through uh, chapter number 40. But in chapter 37, that's where we find out that Joseph's brothers took him, they forsook him, they threw him in 
to the pit. We turn over to chapter number 39 and that's Joseph down in Potiphar's house and she falsely accuses Joseph and she frames him and uh, he finds himself in prison and not once do we find Joseph becoming bitter on the inside because of what was happening to him on the outside. Well, then we come over here to chapter number 40. Joseph's in prison. Uh, these two fellows that he's in prison with, they have dreams and Joseph is able to interpret those dreams and he tells the butler that in three days he's going to be released from prison and he's going to be restored back to his place in Pharaoh's court and that's exactly what happens. But then in verse number 23, as soon as it took place, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forget him. If anyone would have had an excuse, a right to become bitter on the inside, it was Joseph. But he did not allow the circumstances of life to begin to make him bitter on the inside. Got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter number 12. I want to read you a passage of Scripture. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 15. Hebrews 12, verse number 15, the Bible says, Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Joseph lacked bitterness on the inside, and in Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 14, we see what can happen. There's first that development of the bitterness, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. You, the springing up means to germinate, to grow. Uh, it means uh, that it spreads like roots of a tree. We've been wrong. Somebody's done something to us and we begin to internalize that thing and we begin to dwell on that thing and we begin to think about that thing. And uh, as it says here in the book of Hebrews, that thing begins to germinate or spring up and it begins to spread. But it gets even worse than that because it goes on and says that once it springs up, once it spreads, it troubles you and then eventually it defiles you. So there's the development of that bitterness, but there's also the defilement of that bitterness. I think about these school uh, shooters. Um, if you go back and look at those the stories now, you just stop and think about the place a person would have to get where they think that the right course of action is to take revenge on people that they do not know specifically because of their innocence. That's bitterness. Well, my friends, if any one of us think for a second that if we allow that root of bitterness to spring up in us because we've been done wrong. And if you go back and look at the records of these people that have done these horrendous things, you'll see obviously that most of them had been done wrong over and over again and that there had been injustices committed against them by other people over and over again. So, if we allow that to germinate, when we feel like we've been done wrong, it begins to, like the roots of a tree, grow and spread and go deeper and, and deeper, and it begins to rob us of our joy, rob us of our happiness, rob us of our relationship with the Lord. And, and what it does eventually, it defiles us. In spite of all that was done to Joseph, he did not 
let himself become defiled with bitterness on the inside. He simply said, I'll handle my responsibilities before God and let those things make me better instead of bitter. And that's a choice that we all have. No matter what happens to us on the outside, we can choose to become better instead of bitter. So there was a lack of bitterness on the inside. But not only that, there was a lack of hostility on the outside. Now, nowhere in this text of Genesis 37, 38, 39, all the way through the end of the book, uh, does it say anywhere that Joseph uh, did not let bitterness spring up on the inside, nor did he let it develop into hostility on the outside. But we do know this. Joseph didn't try to take revenge on his brother. Joseph did not try to take revenge upon Potiphar's wife. I'm going to be honest with you. If I would have been Joseph and old Potiphar's wife had accused me of what she accused him of and they'd have threw me in prison and then just a little while later I found myself sitting on the throne, me and a repertoire from the Pharaoh's court would have found ourselves knocking on her front door. What happened way back there when you accused me of something that I did not do and you put me in prison? I'm on the throne now, big girl. Joseph didn't do that. You see, he, because he didn't let that brood of bitterness begin to develop on the inside, then you'd never seen a development of hostility on the outside. Now, I'm going to say something this morning that almost goes beyond my cognitive abilities to think, but I see it in the Word. Anyone who says that they can be bitter on the inside and contemplate and dwell on those things that are taking place, the, the injustices that they've been done, that's been done to them, that it will not, if they let it continue to grow, ever develop in the hostility on the outside, does not know themselves and does not know the nature of man. Every one of us will. Now, it may not be in covert or overt actions. Oftentimes, it's in covert actions. But when we're miserable, we tend to make everybody's lives around us miserable. And we're good at hiding it and covering it up, but that's what happens. Joseph did not do that. He simply accepted his responsibility before God and marched on and let bygones be bygones, best I can tell. He didn't go after Potiphar's wife. He didn't go after, I'd have went after Potiphar himself. He threw me in prison. Joseph was second in command, but he didn't do that. So, because he didn't let bitterness grow on the inside, the hostility never showed up on the outside. Uh, read a story about Julius Caesar and how he, uh, he was kidnapped after he became emperor of Rome. And the pirates, he was in the Mediterranean, they kidnapped him and they demanded a ransom of 12,000 gold pieces. Caesar's staff was sent away to arrange it, and of course they did. And Caesar spent almost 40 days with his captives, and he almost jokingly told the pirates that one day he would capture and crucify every single one of them to a, a man. Well, they laughed at him and thought he was not able to do that. But when the ransom was paid and Caesar was free, the first thing he did was went back to Rome, raised an army, and came back and crucified every single one of his captors to a man. It burned him up that he had been done wrong. 
The fact of the matter is, if we're not careful, there's a little Caesar in all of us. And we've got to be careful and understand that it can happen to us and not let that root of bitterness grow into open hostility on the outside. Uh, It can hurt us, by the way. Usually when that happens, we're the ones that get hurt the most. Makes me think of uh, Adolf Hitler in World War II. Most of you have heard of the Battle of Britain, right? One of the great stories, you know, no other time in human history do so uh, many owe such gratitude to so few when those pilots stood up against the German Luftwaffe and, and fought so bravely. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, the Luftwaffe had the Royal Air Force whooped. I mean, they were on the ropes, and they were down, and I mean, uh, the Royal Air Force was, their communications and their ability to coordinate their efforts against the Luftwaffe was right on the verge of crumbling. But old Winston Churchill... One night, because some bombers had accidentally uh, dropped a few bombs on London, uh, because at that time they were still trying to destroy the Luftwaffe, he sent some bombers over Germany and dropped a few bombs on uh, Berlin. And it so enraged Hitler that he completely forgot about destroying the Luftwaffe and said, I'm going to bomb the cities of Berlin. Now, it caused great suffering, but what did it do? It allowed the Royal Air Force uh, to repair their planes and repair their runways and to continue to manufacture planes without being destroyed. So in seeking to take vengeance, what Hitler was doing was raining defeat down on his own army, his own Air Force. Well, it's the same in our own lives. You see, the Bible says something like this. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And whenever we try to take what belongs to God and handle that thing and, 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 and do with it in our own lives what we will, it always ends up hurting us more than it hurts they, those people around us. Not only does it hurt us personally, but it disobeys God directly. That's what it says, Romans 12, 19. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Joseph never sought revenge. One of the most beautiful passages of Scripture in the Bible. Turn with me to Genesis chapter number 50. Genesis chapter number 50. Um, Everybody in here knows this passage this morning. Um, in Genesis 50, um, we'll just start at verse number 15. Uh, well, I'll start at 14. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Now listen, 
at these words of Joseph. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am I in the place of God? So he's asking them, Do you think I can do what God can do? But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. That's the payback Joseph gave his brothers for the evil that had been done to him. He saved their families from certain death and the famine. He protected them while they were down in Egypt. He gave them the best lands. Joseph understood that if you don't let a root of bitterness grow on the inside, then there'll be no hostility on the outside. And ultimately that will be in obedience and accepting our responsibility before God. But number three, and lastly, there was no blame from Joseph towards the upside. Now you stop and think. Joseph was aware that God had sent him the dream when he was a 17-year-old boy. Joseph told his brothers. And the next thing you know, because he had simply repeated the dream that God had sent him, he found himself in a pit and then down here in prison as a slave. But not once do we see Joseph blaming God for what had been done to him. And oftentimes when stuff happens to us, our first response is, God, why me? Why me? Well, Joseph didn't do that because he rested in the promises of God. He believed the dream that God had given him. God had spoken to Joseph. And Joseph understood that regardless of what was going on around him, that God would keep his promise. So while he was resting in that promise of God, he was also rejoicing in the providence of God. That if God had promised it, he would bring that thing to pass. So while Joseph was down there in prison, while he's being falsely accused, he well understood that God had made him some promises and he was working all of those promises out to bring that in that he had promised Joseph. Now I want to ask you a question. Does your memory fade over time? I tell people all the time, it seems like yesterday. You know, I, my son got married last weekend and Praise the Lord for that and all that. And I tell people, it seems like yesterday that I held Dakota in my hands like this. But you know, try as hard as I can, I can't really go back and tell you the events of that day. I can remember the Super Bowl was on, but that's really just because Shane always told me that. I can't remember no plays or anything about it. I know it hurt a lot, but that's really just because Shane told me it did. <laughs> she never let me forget that. Amen. I mean, it had been 20 years since God had sent this dream to Joseph. How many, how many of us remember? I can't even remember a dream five minutes after I wake up. How many of us can remember a dream 20 years after we had the dream. But Joseph took this information that he had got from God in a dream, which no doubt over time began to fade. 
I say that to say this. You and I have something far better than a dream. Listen, friends, God's made us some promises in this book. And He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And I've got a place I'm taking you. And and if you'll simply trust me, I'll get you to that place. So we've got something that we can go back to and refresh our memory at any time to trust in the promises of God and then rejoice in the providence of God that He's going to get us where He said He was going to take us. So... We find Joseph now, he's on the throne. He's trusted in God. He rejoiced in the providence of God. Uh, He didn't try to assign blame. He just simply said that God, now I'm paraphrasing now because we saw what it said over in chapter 50, but Joseph, I believe, based on that, said something like this, God was working it all out for my good and His glory. And I'm going to trust that that's what happened. So, If you're here today and you've been wronged, just trust God. Trust the providence of God that He is taking you somewhere and it's to make you a better person. It's to use you in a bigger and better way for His glory and let vengeance be His. Be like Joseph. Don't let that root of bitterness grow on the inside. It'll do nothing but destroy you. Don't let that bitterness, if it grows inside of you, come out on the outside because you'll make decisions that'll hurt you and then trust God and He will bring about the best outcome. I read about a preacher. He'd been away for a few days and he got back. When he got back home, uh, one of his Members, who was also a neighbor, he has met him at the train station. The preacher said something like this. How's things been going since I've been gone? And the member said, well, preacher, they ain't been going too good. You see, a tornado came through town and it blew my house completely to the ground. The preacher thought for a minute and he said, well, sir, I'm going to be honest with you. That was God's punishment because of the way you've been acting and the way you've been living member looked at him and said, well, that's funny, preacher, because it also blew your house down too. You see, I think one of the things that helped Joseph is he realized there was a snake in him too. And only as we submit to the power of God will that snake be controlled and that root of bitterness will take up in our heart. I don't know why God, just from reading that one verse that the butler forgot Joseph, that God gave me all of that. But I don't believe he would have given me all that and there not be somebody here that needed to hear it. As a matter of fact, since the odds are that every one of us at some point in our life has been done wrong by somebody, we probably all needed to hear that message this morning. Simply trust in the promises of God and rejoice in the providence of God that He's going to get us where He told us He would. Terry, you come on this morning. I'll say this. If you're here this morning and you're in a situation, a state where you've never received Christ as Savior, then I'd say this morning that that root of bitterness is growing and growing and growing and it's time to do something about it come to this altar and say, God, forgive me, save me. Listen, Jesus died for you. That's our perfect example. I used Joseph this morning. 
But the perfect example of someone who did not let the root of bitterness grow in him was the Lord Jesus Christ while he was hanging on the cross being spit on and being laughed at and being mocked and being tortured and and crucified. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You place your faith and trust in his death, burial, and resurrection and he'll take that bitterness out and replace it with love. I've seen him do that in my own life. So I know it's true. If you're here this morning and somebody's wronged you, listen, come to this altar and say, God, I know you're working things out I may not understand. I I just don't know why all this may have happened, but I'm going to trust that you've made me some promises. I'm going to trust and rejoice that you've got in your providence you're going to get me there. And God, I'm not going to let that root of bitterness take hold in my life, but I need your help to do it. And I believe God would grant you like he did Joseph that strength to do it.